You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne and this is Kilcullen Diary. In this podcast, I'm talking to Alex Konyachka, environmental and climate activist at literally ground level. She will be speaking in Kilcullen at the end of September, hosted by the Kilcullen Community for Climate Action at a free event in the library. Alex was born in Poland and moved to Dublin when she was 10 with her family. Having had the experience as a child of a fairly rural part of Poland, coming to the capital city of Ireland at a young age posed its own difficulties. Yeah, that was really difficult. Uh, I didn't have English and yeah, it was completely different uh, kind of environment. It was very urban. Where I came from, it was just a lot more naturey. And I never really came to the city centre, even in my own city, I didn't need to. Um, So it was a big shift and yeah, definitely cultural and language and environment. So it wasn't easy. And I didn't really know that it had such a profound effect on me, not having that nature around me until probably a few years later, where I started to seek out that experience to be outdoors, to hike or do walks. And also I was pretty young, I was only 10. Um, so yeah, definitely it was a big shift and it definitely took me quite a bit of time to understand and acknowledge and be aware that I actually needed um, something else. Alex nevertheless went through her secondary education as a high achiever among other things, winning a Young Environmentalist Award in 2011. She graduated in 2017 from Trinity College Dublin with a degree in Natural Science, specialising in Environmental Science. She had an experience that led to an acceleration of her wish to do something more about environmental issues. Actually, it was uh, an event that happened, so I became quite ill, I think, in my early 20s. It was a very random one in a million kind of incident. The doctors couldn't explain it and I I got septic shock basically. So it was kind of a, a, a wake up call and I was like, okay, so I've been procrastinating maybe. I've been kind of just waiting and thinking, you know, there's going to be a time when this is all going to come, uh, come together, but it's not now. And I was living that way and it's been a few years and yeah, doing that and having that hospital experience uh, and being told like, oh yeah, you if you came a day later, we don't know what would have happened. That I think really gave me the kick I needed and definitely forced me to act more urgently with a lot more urgency and just getting things done. The foundation of Alex's interest in nature and the environment had been laid very early on in her life. Even when I was very, very young, I just always wanted to reach out to wildlife to, I don't know, I always thought, you probably know the film Doolittle and people being able to speak to animals. I always fantasized about just being able to talk to animals and understanding them and feeling a connection with animals and just nature and trees and the natural world. And I always had that really profound connection myself. And I'm not sure where that if that was always there and it got nurtured or I'm not really sure where it came from but I know it was there so even then I always knew I was going to do something to help the environment 
Um, like even when I was very young, I always knew that I didn't know how it was going to be or, you know, what it was going to look like. But I always knew that. So I knew I had to do a, a degree of some sort to do with the environment. So I picked environmental science because it was the most general um, kind of nature, outdoor education degree that I could find. In the course of working to that degree, Alex also got a chance to spend a short time in Kenya studying the ecology of invasive species. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, the degree was really, really good for practical experience. So I did a ton of um, surveying and assessments uh, in Ireland, but also I got to go to Kenya in Africa, and that was such an eye-opener to see. Um, like, you know yourself, when you're learning about um, climate change and you're learning about um, climate justice, it's very much removed because... I mean, nowadays maybe we can see it a bit more through flooding, um, but before um, it was just very uh, separate from ourselves, I thought. So just to see people actually looking like they don't have much food and knowing and like hearing their stories, it was an incredible experience. Um, so it definitely fueled the fire a little bit more, opened up the whole conversation of equality, not just the love and connection with nature, but also the impact of that and how the damage of that can influence people and societies and communities. Um, so it definitely opened up a whole, uh, whole new chapter as well. After her illness, Alex joined the Accenture Business Consultancy as a researcher and while there developed an in-house sustainability programme for the employees. Joining a large company wasn't what she had particularly wanted. I really didn't want to work in the corporate industry. I, I was very much against it, but I felt like at the time, and this was after I just got sick, and this was my first job after, I think, a half a year of recovery and not being able to do much really, like walking or anything like that. That was my first job back, and I was very much desperate just to work. Um, and that's what I found, and that's who took me in, and I made it work. Uh, but at the time, it wasn't anything to do with the environment. I I interweaved it into my job after a while, and I did free talks and workshops for staff. The, the, the company was obviously receptive to some of your ideas. Yes, I think they were, and I think that's because sustainability was becoming trendy and people I think even in business know that it's going to play a part you know in the future of how business is done so it definitely I definitely did get listened to and the special thing was that there wasn't many people like me who had that background in environmental science or ecology and had that passion for it so I was very much in a all of a sudden I was in an environment where there was hundreds of people um, kind of listening to me and being exposed to me, someone who they might not have ever come across before. So that was definitely positive um, and very interesting for me to navigate as well. I guess asked if I was interested in doing a bit more about sustainability in that um, in that company, in that uh, building. So it's the headquarters, and luckily enough. Um, there was a bit of budget, so it actually became a 12-month program. It was a campaign uh, to encourage employees to become more sustainable. Um, and it was very much, um, you know, a 360 perspective on sustainability. It was everything uh, from 
how to grow sustainable food to how to make your own soap with eco-friendly materials um it was yeah it was i think it took a whole of a year and a half um for me to to work on it was it was amazing it won awards um yeah, it was it was an incredible effort and it was definitely successful. And they were piloting that across other um, locations across the globe. So Accenture is quite global. It's a very big company. Um, so definitely had a positive impact uh, before I left. Uh, and when I left, I left because of understory. So it's all kind of coming together in that way. While her environmental company, Understory, is Alex's underpinning passion, there's also a day work with the Dublin-based Eco-UNESCO Environmental Education Programme as a youth programmes coordinator. Yeah, it exposes me to all sorts of young people from as little as eight years old to nearly my age to, you know, 25, 30. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's such a variety of people and it's definitely, definitely something I love to do. Alex had established Understory in late 2020 as her own personal vehicle to manage and lead community initiatives in environment and sustainability, particularly in disadvantaged areas, and also mixing her artistic and scientific instincts to develop and market products made from waste. The name comes from the technical term for the layer of vegetation beneath the main canopy of a forest, including shrubs and small trees. I feel like understory is everything that I am and you you could go deep and deep and you know everything that every decision I make is very much influenced by something that happened in my life and understanding I have and awareness that I've got um so it's very very well thought out and that's probably to do with my personality um but I do believe that it started really early where I was building on my values and what I care about um and it very much translates into how understory operates. So I didn't want to, like, I'm not the most motivated by money. I really, that's the least that I care about, obviously, being it is. But I didn't necessarily need to be, I didn't think of it as a profitable business at the start. I thought, I'm going to use waste. I'm going to educate people. I'm going to provide things that help wildlife. And it's very much those three simple things, but it just became quite a big big machine at this stage um, and it's proven successful which means that people are actually seeing the value in us um, and I think it really does there's a whole motivational aspect of seeing your work um, come to fruition so if you make something in my workshop which could be like a bee hotel for example then you see the solitary bees lay their eggs and then you see the new bees come out in the spring and then you see them pollinate your flowers. It really does add that connection and linkages um, in the system. So I think it's a great system to, to teach people and encourage them to be connected, but also to see how much impact they can have. Um, so I think that's been very, very successful. Um, so for me, I guess it's my own lessons that I saw. So I may have put something out for wildlife and I've seen them use it, and that motivates me to do it more. And I've kind of incorporated that um, idea into understory to let other people experience the same. When you look at the understory website, there are a wide range of items made from waste for sale. 
The making of each of them takes a small amount of waste and turns it back into something useful or artistic. But as an individual artist, there's a limit to how much of this Alex can produce and a limit to the impact it can have on the totality of the environment's problems. How does she hope it could have a greater impact? Yeah, I would love to uh, be able to make as many products as I get asked. <laughs> but unfortunately, I cannot, as you, you probably noticed yourself. So yeah, that's correct. I don't have... Um, factory so really it is about teaching other people the skills um so they can do it themselves um i think a lot of it there is a lot of opportunity and i think there is a lot of waste and i haven't been able to break into it uh, just because i feel like the environmental education is really calling out um and it's really taking up a lot of my time and yeah i don't have uh, a whole company and because i'm not the most money motivated I've never gone that way to create that manufacturing plant <laughs> that needs to be made um, but there is a lot of opportunity for companies to see that their waste is valuable and to pass that on to the relevant organizations so they have popped up and there is the men's shed the women's shed uh, there's recreate which takes on waste materials from companies and passes it on to individuals and teachers and people like me who make things out of waste um, so there is so many linkages that can be made. So I really just want people to have the conversation and to see uh, and seek those connections to see if there is any company in their area that produces waste. Even simple things like cafes, they have sacks of Hessian um, uh, fabric uh, that they get coffee in. And they don't need the, all those sacks, they just kind of get wasted. Um, so it's really simple things to just see and think of the life cycle of products and see what's left and what's not used and make it work and add it to the cycle, to the circular economy uh, ideology uh, and come up with your own, in your own community, in your own home. Uh, and it, I think it would be such an incredible way to prevent waste, but also just to yeah encourage that conversation uh, collaboration and, you know, prevent waste from going to landfill. Whatever individuals can do to help the environment in themselves, or even collectively in greater numbers, they're up against a global corporate culture that is based on maintaining growth and consumption. How can that be addressed? Yeah, I do think that those companies would be nothing without the customer. And I think customers hold so much power. Um, people in general hold so much power. We couldn't have one without the other. You couldn't have corporates without the people. You couldn't have them without the employees. So there's so many ways to influence them. Uh, so for me, um, advocacy is huge. I think there would be so little change if no one ever spoke up and asked for something to be different. Uh, people like that need to be brave and confident in speaking out, uh, get informed, research. Um, there's people like that. It just needs to be, I think, more encouraged and people need to speak out more because I feel like I hear a lot from my friends and family. Uh, they complain or they... Uh, they see something that could be improved and that's as far as it goes they just say it to the next person and the next person might agree but nothing happens unless it gets put forward to those people who can make the decision to change um, so 
you know, it's already happening where you can see um, corporations having to shift to more sustainable practices. Uh, people aren't happy anymore with, um, you know, child labor. People aren't happy with uh, companies um, working in unsafe conditions. Um, and, you know, just the risk involved and the pollution involved. So I think because people are starting to be more aware, um, at least people that I know uh, are kind of doing that uh, out uh, speaking out piece. Um, so definitely if other people did that, I don't think companies could carry on the way they do, at least um, the really bad ones. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely, I do think people have the power to change them because um, without people, there would be nothing. And money, unfortunately to them, is people. Uh, so if people don't want to pay and um, lobby, I think absolutely do that, you know. Everything global starts local, they say. And Alex, through Understory, offers interactive workshops with communities, schools and other groups, such as the one coming up in late September in Kilcullen. Her emphasis is on practical things rather than ideals. Yeah, so um, every time I do a workshop, I, I think this is my own personality coming through again. I love to do um, stuff that's practical, that's uh, applicable, relevant. Um, you know, I don't think people, well, I I assume people don't do well of just being lectured. I don't think it goes as far as it could. So uh, in the workshop, uh, we'll be doing a hands-on activity. Uh, we'll be learning about what materials we can use that are waste materials. Uh, how to do that safely. We'll be learning about the practical uses of them. We'll also be talking about advocacy, uh, how biodiversity is doing, and you know what we can do ourselves to benefit uh, our own connection, but also benefit wildlife. Um, so it's kind of a, again, it's a very thorough um, overview of biodiversity and practical skills um, and also just advocacy as I said so that people can carry on uh, without me if you know if they want to to do their own independent uh, projects or uh, influence decision makers. Advocacy and protest are part of the whole environmental and climate action movement both of which Alex feels are essential but they're not enough on their own. Absolutely, yes. Um, I mean, there's people who only go out and do protests, and that's absolutely fair, and I think that's important. But uh, without the action, it's going to be a very slow change, and you won't see progress. Um, for me, in my field, it's very quick to see the change. So if I, uh, let's say, if I plant uh, something like a pollinator-friendly uh, flower, um, I'm literally going to see tens, dozens of bees and pollinators and hoverflies coming to that plant. Um, so it's really, really easy for me to observe. Sometimes when they do societal changes, it's slower to see. Um, but definitely action is something that can have immediate effect and it can have long-term effect. It can have medium-term effect. It's, it's, it's wonderful and it's important that different people do what they care about and don't just do what's trendy. Because um, I think obviously if there's a personal link to it, uh, you'll be much more inclined to keep going. Um, so I think if people are able to identify what they're really passionate about and do something about it, do something um, practical in their own life uh, that will inspire people around them, that will 
you know, bring the benefits to them and that they will see and see and observe them and it will motivate them further. And if they can do that while doing advocacy, I think that's the dream. Yeah, that's 100% um, wonderful and that would definitely bring a lot of impact. That was Alex Konyachka, environmentalist and climate activist, who will be giving a workshop on zero waste in Kilcullen Library on the 28th of September 2023, hosted by the Kilcullen Community for Climate Action. The event is free, but can be booked on Eventbrite. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary. Thank you for listening.